going to uh, preach now, and I am going to uh, tread into this carefully so that we don't uh, disrupt what the Holy Spirit is doing. I spent most of my day yesterday in the Bay of Fundy, uh, literally learning how to roll a kayak, how to flip a kayak. I uh, took an all-day safety course from Ryan Monroe. It was awesome. And I told Ryan, you know, we're out there uh, all day in Pettis Cove. And, uh, and by the end of the day, I said, there's got to be a sermon illustration in here somewhere. And I think the illustration is that I can barely lift my Bible. <laughs> That's like I am completely, completely spent. Um, but I know how to roll a kayak now in the Bay of Fundy, which is good. We are in week number 427 <laughs> of our series in Ephesians. Uh, we started this when I was about nine years old. It's called... It's, you were just kids when we started this, but you look so old now. What happened? Um, our series in Ephesians called A Mighty Good Future. And of all the times that I've studied the book of Ephesians and preached from it, I'd never seen Ephesians as a textbook on how to do church until now. This time that I'm studying Ephesians, it, it has, I've learned that it's a, it, the letter is... Paul saying, here, this is, this is how to do church. How to be the church close to God in a community that is far from God in ways that will draw others towards God. Uh, that's pretty much what Paul is, is saying. Uh, this coming summer, we're almost into it, it's going to be an exciting time for our church. You will have a new lead pastor. You will have a new assistant pastor, Michelle Duncan, and uh, you'll have the grand opening of a new church. It will happen. And as COVID restrictions ease, which will also happen, I, um, I expect people to, to come back to church, and I also expect new people to show up at our church, and I honestly believe that our best days are ahead. Uh, children, we just had about 400 of them run downstairs. Children are imitators, which is both adorable and terrifying. Right? Like they've picked up on some things that you do and it's sweet. And they've picked up on some other things that you do and you're like, oh no. Right? When you start to see wild behavior coming out of your toddler and you wonder, where did that come from? Don't, don't look too far. Right? And even you old people, like you'll find yourselves still doing things that remind you of your mom. Right? Or remind you of your father. Um, or saying things that, that your parents used to say. Little mannerisms and idiosyncrasies that you picked up from your parents from watching them. And this is by design. This is, this is your, you were made for that. Uh, we all do it because God 
wired us. You, you were pre-wired to be a natural-born imitator for your own good. When I'm walking Nala through Grand Harbor, which you see us going every day, and if somebody just, whoa, just flies right past us, which also happens every day, I will repeat my father in my head, mostly in my head. I don't say it out loud. I usually don't talk to myself out loud when I'm by myself. But, and I can hear the voice of my father saying, by the jumpings, Mr. Dooley, I can tell you that wasn't 50 kilometers an hour. Word for word. There are a lot of other things that I hear my father saying that I don't repeat. <laughs> now, keep, I'll try to lift this Bible, it's so heavy. It weighs like 100 pounds. Keep the original context in our minds. Paul is writing to a group of new house churches in southern Turkey. New believers probably 30 people or more, have crammed into a friend's home to hear a reading of the letter written by the incarcerated Paul. And the letter is life, literally, to them. The Spirit of God is in the room, and these people are prepared to die for Jesus. Like they are all in. And they listen intently because Paul is unpacking a new way of living that is radical. And it'll not only change them, but, but this way of living, if a group of people get this, that way of living will become a beacon of hope in their community. And at the end of what we call chapter 4, Paul has reminded them of the old things that they should not do any longer. He gives them a list of, of junk. He says, we don't do that anymore. And he says, at the end of verse, of the end of chapter 4, he says, instead, we'll put this verse up, verse 32, instead, be kind to each other. Like, don't, don't live the way you used to live. Here's a new way. And this is going to change the world. Paul says, you people who gather together, be kind to each other. This is yes. Tender-hearted. Just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Now this is new teaching. This is no longer an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. This is no longer you're going to get yours. All of a sudden, it's no. No, no. That's the way we used to live there is a new way of living, and it's radical. We're going to return hatred with love. It's like, like what? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This is what we're going to do. We're going to return hatred with love. We're going to give grace and mercy when people don't deserve it, especially when they don't deserve it. We're going to go the extra mile. We're going to turn the other cheek. We're going to forgive 70 times 7 times 70 times 7 times 70 times whatever. This is what we're going to do. And if, you, and if this morning, if you're wondering, how in the world am I supposed to do that? You're not alone. 
And the original church probably felt the same way. And Paul gets that. And so this is what he said in what we call chapter 5. Verse 1, imitate God, therefore, in everything you do. Because you are his dear children. Imitate. Because you're, you're, you're God's children. In everything you do, because you are his dear children, live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. Now, the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree, does it? I have at least four trees. All right? You do too. Mine are Guptal and Wilson. There's two trees. Uh, and on the other side, it's Avery and Parker. Some of you are right, you're here right now. <laughs> Guptal and Wilson. And then Avery and, those are my four trees, Avery and, and Parker. And on, those, on our small island, when you say those names, there's stuff attached to it. Like, you just don't hear a name, right? You, you, hear, you hear more than the name. You're like, oh, 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 you poor, you poor boy, right? Like, you've got Guptal, Wilson, Avery, and, and Parker. And, and sometimes you might say, well, I've heard people say to me, oh, that's the Wilson in you. Never in a flattering way, right? It's just something they see coming out of me, and they're like, oh, I know where that comes from. That apple didn't fall far from the Wilson tree, right? That's, that's what that is. If I'm being obstinate or stubborn or sarcastic, like, you know where that comes from, right? There's trees. I gave you the trees. The apple not falling far from the tree is a good illustration. It means that you'll carry on some of your family characteristics, good and bad, because that's your, that's your tree, right? Okay? Outside. We were talking about the Russells. Outside. Let's just... Russells. There. All right. All right. We'll move on. That's the tree that you fell out of. It was another tree in the garden where we decided to go our own way. We said, maybe, maybe God is keeping something from me. Maybe, maybe disobedience and indulgence will give me even greater fulfillment. Maybe I'll be happier if, if I take from that tree. And we stepped outside of God's will and did we ever make a mess of things? Now, Paul spent significant time on the front of Ephesians explaining to them how this broken relationship, you're, you're born broken, you're, bro you're born separated from God. Paul explains on the front of this letter how this broken relationship can be restored when we believe in the resurrected Jesus. And how? When that happens, we are filled with power, mighty power that transforms us. 
in chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, Paul says, Even before he made the world, God loved you. That's a, it's just a, it's a, it's such a heavy thought. Even before he made the world, God loved us. And he chose us in Christ to be holy, not broken, holy, and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. It's just, it's great. When you are adopted into God's family by believing in the resurrected Jesus that Paul just explained, are you with me? It's, I'll be so glad when we get these masks off and I can read your, and I can read your faces. I just can't tell, like, who's asleep and who's... Okay. When you are adopted into God's family, the apple is moved from the tree in the garden to the tree of the cross. Your new family tree is the cross of Jesus. And it, it is an awesome thought. We say now, if you're a believer, and we say the apple did, doesn't fall far from the tree, you're, you're at the foot of the cross, the tree of Jesus. Paul says to imitate him, be like him. Don't be like the Wilsons. Sorry, Wilsons. <laughs> the Guptals, the Parkers, the Averys. Be like, be like him. The apples moved to the tree of the cross. That's where you're found now, that you're adopted into. Just to make my life difficult, my parents... They could have named me Timothy Clinton, but that was too easy. And so they named me Clinton Timothy. I go by Tim. But every now and then, Gala or the kids will call me Clint. And when they do, it's an indication that I am acting too much like my earthly father. Right? That Clint is coming out of me in unflattering ways. And they'll call it out. And say, hey, hey, Clint. Hey. And immediately I know, like, you're right. Like, I don't want to be that way. I, I don't want to be that. I'm not, I'm not saying this to put a poor reflection on my deceased father. I'm not trying to throw him under the bus. I'm just saying that the old me should be dead in Christ. And Paul says to that, those new believers... And to us, what we need to do is we need to imitate Jesus. We, should, we would probably uh, translate imitate as reproducing behavior. That's how we would probably translate it. But the Greek word that Paul used is much deeper than that. It speaks more to becoming. Not acting like, becoming like. Not just acting or repeating behavior like Jesus, but literally being transformed in your, in your being, in the fabric of who you are. Paul uses uh, used that same word, imitate, in other places like 1 Corinthians 11 verse 1, where Paul said, and you should imitate me just as I imitate Christ. We would call an imitation a fake but this is, this is something very different. 
Paul is inviting them to go much deeper with Jesus, to come out of the world and be fully immersed in Jesus, like I was fully immersed in Pettis Cove yesterday several times, like fully under the water with a kayak, attached to a kayak above me, fully immersed in Jesus. Be gang, be drenched in his spirit. Be robed in his love. Be under the control of his spirit. Stay in the fellowship and the community of other believers and love one another and serve one another. As you continually surrender to God, you will, you will become like, you will imitate Jesus. This is, this is God's design. The term Christians initially was a slur. Uh, Romans used it as a, as, a, as a bad word, as a slur against all those, you know, turn your face up, all those little Christ, those little Jesus people. Little Christ, they called them. And, um, and it became a badge of honor. And all those little Christ were like, ah, oh, a, little, a little Christ, yes, sweet. That's what we're after. You... You see something different in me. And so I, I'll take that as a compliment, and it's stuck, this term Christian. What if, what if a few of us right here this morning were seen by our community, the island, as little Christ? What if... What if all of us were? Not better than someone else. I don't, I don't want to be better than, and if you think you're better than, I'll call you out on it and say, you, you're not that special. Right? I'm not saying better than anybody. That's not what we want to do. Not the Bible thumper 5,000. We don't want that either. Right? Just changed and becoming like Jesus. I love text, T-E-X-T-S, like this one in Ephesians, because it gives us a vision of what the church could be, a picture of what the church could be like, an attractive, caring, loving, accepting, non-judgmental, forgiving group of people. Would, I'd want to go to a church like that, right? I would want to go to a church like that. Now, the good thing here in this, in this text is that uh, Paul said we could pick and choose the areas where we want to be more like Jesus. It's just some things. It's a few. If you're paying attention, that's sarcasm. That's, that's Guptal and Wilson coming out of me. I'm being sarcastic. Because that's not what Paul said. He said, imitate God, therefore, in what? Everything. Not some things, not just a few things, not the easy things. Imitate God in everything, and everything in the original Greek means everything. Now, after this sermon, I only have two more left as your lead pastor. Now, you can fire me if you want. 
And I'm preaching to myself too. I don't stand up here as, as, as though I you know, don't need to hear this, right? As I was writing this sermon, I stopped and prayed. And, and I thought about the areas in my life where I don't always imitate Christ. And you can do that right now. Don't be poking the person beside you. Just think about in your own life, what are the areas where I don't always imitate Christ? And it's, it's selfishness and it's laziness to convince myself that 75% is okay. If we do that all the time, you'll tell yourself all the time, hey, 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 you're okay, you're okay, you're, yeah, you're, you're doing fine. And it just to convince ourselves that, or to compare myself to others, I'm doing better than they are. You know, I mean, have you seen what they're doing? I, I'm, I'm doing better than they are, right? Or to just try to hang with the pack spiritually. Like, what's the, what's the, the, the medium, what's the, what's the spiritual average of the Lighthouse Church? And I'll just hang in that pack. I'm not talking about striving for some unobtainable level of Christian perfection because Paul didn't even accomplish that. Hello? But it, it, it's about surrender, isn't it? It's about surrender. Will I allow God to renovate the places of my life that I've gotten comfortable with? Like the stuff around that old Newton's building where I say, well, I'll get to that later. Right? And we do that in our spiritual lives. Will I allow God to renovate those places of my life that I've grown comfortable with? The invitation is always to go deeper because there's always more available. Uh, that's been a theme of this, of this series and this season to to go, come deeper. There's more available, come deeper. And, uh, and this verse does that. Paul sets the bar high with imitate God. But, but he, he's not, Paul's not setting you up to fail. When he says imitate God, he's not giving you something that, that'll just defeat you the whole rest of your life. That's not it. Like, I can't just decide today, I think I'll enter the Summer Olympics. I'm going to Tokyo. I think I'll enter in the high jump. Like, with zero training. Like, that is not going to happen. Paul's not doing that. He says, imitate God because you are his dear children. And there it is. It's that relationship that makes this possible. I mean, why would I do this, Paul? Why would I want this? Why don't I just live my life and, and do my best and whatever happens, happens, and it's good enough? Why not be satisfied with 50% or 75%? Why not be selfish and lazy? Because you are, I am, we are God's dear children. That's why. You have been, you've been grafted in to the cross of Jesus adopted in, in direct line to God the Father. That's your new family tree. You've received his spirit. And, and I mean, we should all feel this this morning. We've, we've normalized 
average Christian living. We've, we've made that normal. And normal, or sorry, average Christian, like that's, that's an oxymoron. Like that should, that's just strange. That's weird. Jesus didn't suffer and die on a cross for us to be content with average. Paul invites us into the deep end. Go all in with Jesus because there's more. There's more life. There's more peace. There's more freedom. There's more healing. There's more power. There's more influence in our community. There's more witness. There's more love. Another great study, um, you can do this sometime down the road, all the places in Scripture where Jesus invites us to come and follow. And you might be feeling that pull in your heart right now, like, what in the world is going, what is happening to me? It's, it's the Holy Spirit. It's Jesus saying, come and follow me. Uh, leave the shore, as he invited uh, disciples to follow him, right? Drop what you're doing, come and follow. Leave the boat that he invited Peter to, like, like, you sure about this? Like yesterday when Ryan said, go ahead, roll your kayak. I'm like, are you sure about this? Leave the boat. Um, leave the crowd. He invited people to leave the crowd. Uh, Matthew, he said, leave your job. Come and follow me because we are his dear children. No regrets, no turning back, all in with Jesus. What does that look like? Verse 2. That's not the halfway point of the sermon when I say verse 2. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us. He offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. When this was read out loud, these words would have had weight, impact, and resonance. Live a life filled with love. God loved you so much that he offered himself as a living sacrifice for us. He gave us his best. And his sacrifice was a pleasing aroma to God. That's normal. Average Christianity is not normal. We, we've, we've normalized um, just average, yeah, you know. Jesus gave us his best. Loving one another in this room with sacrificial love. It's right there in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 2. Live a life filled with love. Loving one another starts here. Like we can't love each other in this room. We're in big trouble when we go out those doors. Loving one another in this room with sacrificial love. Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. Now, what if we didn't just talk about this? <laughs> What if we did it? What if, what if this was more than hearing another sermon about how I'm supposed to live? It's, um, it's, it's that surrender of the heart. It, it's that, okay, Jesus. Right? You're not responding to me. You're responding to the Holy Spirit. It's that, okay, if there's more available, I want more. I want more. And if there's places in my life that need to be renovated, I, I, I want to imitate 
you. I want to be less like the old me and the stuff that keeps falling out of all my family trees. I want to be more like you. I want to imitate you.